the big fight. Three days to victory. This is one of the best teachings I have ever heard. It is very encouraging. And you'll see the cross in a new way. A way you've never thought of before. And most of all, you'll get a better understanding of the victory that Jesus won. The teaching starts with an example of playing chess against a chess master. Imagine you're playing the world champion and during the game the world champion foolishly loses his bishop. And you say to yourself, wow, he made a real stupid move. Then later in the game, the world champion foolishly loses his castle or rook. And you say, wow, another stupid move. Then again, the world champion foolishly loses his queen. And it looks like he has no hope. The game is lost. But then three moves later, he checkmates you. What would you say about this situation? Well, it was a setup. He knew what he was doing all along. He was just suckering you in. A perfect setup. Well, did you ever think of the cross as a setup? I mean, here Jesus loses his freedom, his reputation, his beauty, his health, and finally his life. And then three days later, he comes back from the grave victoriously. Well, that's the pattern of a setup. Now let's look at God's MO, modus operandi. How does God operate? To answer this question, ask yourself this. What can a chess master do that nobody else can do? Well, he can beat you even if he's outnumbered. He can beat you even if you have much more time on your clock. He can beat you while playing 20 other games simultaneously. He can even beat you blindfold. That's the signature of a master. They can take impossibly difficult situations and still win. And we see the same pattern in Scripture. God takes the most impossible situations and still wins a victory. In the story of David versus Goliath, who was stronger? Who was larger? Who was older? Who had more experience? Who had better weapons? 
God took every possible disadvantage and still won the fight. In the story of Pharaoh's army versus the Israelites, who had the weapons? Who had the chariots? Who had the army? Pharaoh had every conceivable advantage. And still, God won. And all of Pharaoh's army died. In the story of Gideon versus the Midianites, you have 300 Israelites versus over 100,000 Midianite soldiers. That's incredibly bad odds. And with everything against them, God still wins the victory. God loves impossible situations where everything is stacked against him. And in the last moment, when things look the most bleak, the most hopeless, God turns the tables and wins a victory. And these examples are just little battles that point to the big one. In fact, much of the Old Testament is pointing to this future glorious victory at the cross. At the cross, the war of good and evil was finished. Evil was conquered. Satan was defeated. Jesus was victorious. And anyone who studies the Bible should know these things. At the cross, who was beaten and disfigured? Who was stripped? Who was humiliated and mocked? Who was tormented? Who was silenced, tied up, locked up, and suffered? Was it Jesus? Well, yes it was. But now you're going to find out that he wasn't the only one. Now it's time for you to hear the rest of the story. So what happened in those three days that Jesus was in the grave? How could such a horrible massacre turn into such a glorious victory? Just how did Jesus defeat Satan? And this is the story called Three Days to Victory. And you'll see that the cross was the biggest sting operation the universe has ever seen. What does the Bible tell us about those three days that Jesus was in the grave? Well, in Ephesians 4.9, it teaches us that he descended to the lower earthly regions. From the story of the rich man and Lazarus, we learn that in the lower earthly regions, there was Hades, a place of fire, and paradise, 
also known as Abraham's bosom. And we know that there's some type of proximity between these two places because Abraham and the rich man could see and talk to each other. We also know that there is some type of gulf between these two places so that no one can ever cross over. And there's this wonderful verse in the Bible that summarizes what Jesus did during those three days. In Colossians 2.15, it says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let's break apart this verse. It says, disarm principalities. That means took away their power. In the King James Version, it says spoiled principalities. That means defiled their beauty. Not just one, but of many. And it says made a public spectacle. This means it wasn't just a defeat, it was an embarrassing defeat in front of many. We also get a prophetic glimpse of what Jesus did while in the grave by Nebuchadnezzar's dream. His dream showed a giant statue representing several kingdoms and a rock representing Jesus would come and strike the statue and instantly destroy it. Not a slow crumbling, but an instant destruction. So we know that when Jesus defeats Satan's kingdoms, it's going to be quick and complete. Now the rest of the story, the little details of just how Jesus defeated Satan while in the lower earthly regions, are given by revelation. So you can choose to believe it or not. It's your choice. This amazing revelation that you're about to hear is consistent with the pattern of scripture and backed up by several verses. After Jesus dies, he descends down into paradise or Abraham's bosom. Here, he is eagerly greeted by all the past saints. Because of the testimony of John the Baptist, who died before Jesus, they were expecting him. This was the one all the prophets spoke about. Then Jesus does something that no one has ever done before. He crosses over from paradise into Hades. When Jesus shows up in Hades, Satan's domain, he's not saying or doing anything. No booming voice, no demonstrations of power, no legion of angels around him. He's just standing there, silent like a lamb. But remember, just because Jesus isn't saying anything, doesn't mean he has nothing to say. 
When Satan sees Jesus in Hades, what do you think was going through Satan's mind? I mean, Jesus was just standing there, vulnerable. There was no rescue party. There's no angels protecting him. And Hades is Satan's domain. Being full of pride, Satan believes he can do anything he wants to in Hades. And God won't stop him. And hating Jesus, Satan decides he's going to torment him, strip him, ruin him, and publicly humiliate him. Then Satan goes out to gather all his top demons, all the dark principalities and powers, so that they could witness Satan destroy Jesus. It took Satan about two days to gather everyone. Satan not only wanted the demons to witness it, he even wanted those in paradise to also watch the destruction of Jesus. So Satan set up the stage on the edge of Hades. Then the demons could observe from one side and the saints could see from the other side. Satan didn't want anyone to miss his glorious victory over Jesus. And all this time, the saints in paradise were looking intently upon the situation. And Jesus was still just sitting there, quiet and humble. Then, on the third day, Satan got dressed up in all his glorious robes and crowns and royal jewels. He looked splendid. And with all the top demons watching, Satan made his move to publicly destroy Jesus. Everything looked hopeless. You couldn't imagine a worse situation to be in. Everything was stacked up against Jesus. But right before Satan grabbed Jesus, the glory of God blasts into hell. And the whole place lights up with God's glory. And every demon is frozen in place, unable to move. Then, Jesus stands up. got the biggest smile on his face you could imagine. He's been waiting a long time for this moment. At this time, all the saints in paradise start screaming, jumping, and shouting because they all know what's coming. Then Jesus goes over to the demons and thanks to Satan, all the demons are assembled and perfectly lined up in rows. Jesus doesn't have to run after anyone. Then, according to the revelation, Jesus lifts his hand and a blue fire shoots out. 
a fire which is hotter than any fire in hell. And Jesus systematically burns the faces off of all of Satan's top demons. Their faces just melt in the intense fire. Their beauty is forever ruined and they're unable to reverse it. Then Jesus goes over to Satan, who is normally the king of terror, but now he's terrorized in fear. In horror, Satan just witnessed all his subjects get melted, and now it's his turn. Jesus strips Satan of all his beauty, all his robes, all his crowns, all his jewels, and Satan is left naked in front of everyone. In Ezekiel 28, we learn that Satan's body was beautifully covered in precious jewels. Well, Jesus stripped off every last one of them. Now, you might have thought of Jesus as this gentle person who never fights and who was beat up by the Romans. But Jesus can give a beating as well as he can take it. And in scripture, he's called a warrior. And on that day, Jesus beat the hell out of Satan. On earth, Jesus received a Roman beating. But in hell, Jesus gave Satan a heavenly beating. Satan experienced the full force of the Lion of Judah. Satan was humiliated, defeated, and thrown down in front of all his demons and in front of all the saints in paradise. God, in his wisdom, had Satan set up his own defeat. And as an added insult, God put metallic wrist braces onto Satan. These cuffs had a loop, but were not yet bound, as they will be when Revelations 22 happens. And these cuffs, which cannot be removed, will be a constant reminder to Satan that someday he will be fully bound by them. Then, after the beating, Jesus took Satan's power away from him, as it tells us in Revelations 1.18 and Colossians 2.15. And after Satan's humiliating beating and defeat, Jesus crosses back over into paradise and takes the saints out of there and up to earth and then into the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you the same questions I asked before and see if you have a different answer. Because of the cross, who was beaten and disfigured? Who was stripped? Who was humiliated and mocked 
who was tormented, who was silenced, bound, and helpless, who really suffered because of the cross. Ah, it was Satan and his kingdom. Now you see that the cross was the biggest setup, the biggest sting operation that this universe has ever seen. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs>